And for a limited time, again, subscribers get not just one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag and the patented, high-performance, anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. Uh, Mr. Kerr. Yes. This is Jade Hoy. How'd you, what'd you think of that read? Was that pretty good? Yeah. <laughs> was it a good read? DA wasn't really the way I wanted to start my uh, <laughs> <laughs> thinking about you manscaping. <laughs> Not the way you wanted to go? No. <laughs> I'll never forget, uh, DA, you had one of the greatest lines ever at one of our Turner meetings. It was, I think it was our pre-NCA tournament meetings, and we were going to pair up to do some media stuff in front of the whole Turner uh, core that was there in New York. I think Ernie said, uh, why don't we put together a threesome of Cheryl Miller, Craig Sager, and David Aldridge? And you said, I got to tell you, Ernie, the last thing on my mind ever is a threesome with Cheryl Miller and Greg Sager. <laughs> <laughs> you brought the house down. They brought me back. And that's the amazing thing. They brought me back after that. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're ready to rock whenever you are, Jay. Let me know. Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma is. On the Athletic Podcast Network. I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and like the most in his I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than shit. David Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing him. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then he yes. had their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. It was popping in the So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship monies and can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in Iowa. Hoops and Jason. Welcome to Hoops and Jason. We have ignition. And welcome to another edition of Hoops Adjacent. I'm David Aldridge on quarantine, lockdown, whatever you want to call it in D.C. In L.A., as always, Waz Lambray. Waz, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. I was I was in Napa this past weekend. D.A., you said that I Ooh, would love it. You right. were right. Um, it's like it's your yes. own little... Oasis, little dreamland over there. It's great. And then yes. my girlfriend comes downstairs yet last night. She's like, Governor Newsom closed Napa. <laughs> I was like, well, at the last minute. But yeah, it was very refreshing. Um, had a good time and, and, you know, happy to be back here in Los Angeles, though. It's fantastic, man. And um, someone who I think has probably been to Napa once or twice in his in his life. I am very pleased, very happy that my friend Steve Kerr from the Golden State Warriors is going to spend some time with us. Steve, how are you? Thank you for joining us, sir. Well, thank you guys for having me, uh, DA and Waz. And yes, I've I've been to Napa. It's you know it's about an hour from Oakland. So yeah. I uh, <clears throat> I hesitate to tell you this, but. You know, every off season, uh, we, as a, as a coaching staff, do a retreat. Mm, I like that. Yeah, and it's a good chance to kind of prepare for the season and hash out some ideas. And we went to Napa the first year, and the, the whole idea was, you know, we'll go somewhere different every summer, just you know, be inspired and, you know, kind of, you know, just just maybe try out some different venues and we just keep going back to Napa. To Napa, yeah. Single year. <laughs> Napa is amazing. And yeah. it's like I said, an hour drive from Oakland. So it's pretty uh pretty easy choice for us. But uh, yeah, that's an amazing place. All right. So who on your staff is a real 
you know, Popovich level wine aficionado. And who's just trying to get drunk every year? Who is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, Ron Adams is our uh, resident. Uh, is, is Onophile the Onophile, I think, is the world. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> Onophile. In fact, when I interviewed Ron, uh, to to come aboard with the Warriors in 2014. Uh, my assistant, Nick Uren, and I took Ron out to dinner to interview him. We ordered a bottle of wine. It was an Italian restaurant, and they didn't have any California Pinots, which is what we were looking for. And uh, the uh, waiter said, uh, you know what, if you want, I'll bring you kind of the Italian version of a Pinot. We said, great. So he brings back the wine. He opens it up. He gives gives Ron the taste. You know how you do that. You swish yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Well, Ron became the first person I've ever been to dinner with who said, Oh, no. Yes, on a job interview. Wow. <laughs> Is that right? Yes. Wow. Ron that has took, stones now. We all know that. Yes. But. That took some guts, man. <laughs> Uh, wow. So yeah, he's the uh he's the wine guy. Ron Adams right. is life goals. Hashtag I like that. I like that. <laughs> so so Steve, as as you know, this is obviously we are all still trying to figure out what the hell we're doing. Um you know, I, I'm sure you were relieved that that the, that your guys your team's not invited to Orlando, I'm sure. Um but I don't think since they kind of announced that they were looking seriously at this Chicago thing, I don't know that anybody's asked you. I know you had said before you're not really interested in doing it. Has that changed at all now that you that there's a little bit of meat on the bones and they're talking about maybe playing in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we don't want to go nine months without playing any basketball at all. And that could be the case if uh, our season ended, whatever it was, March 12th. Yeah. Um, if we don't start the season until December, which seems likely, uh, that's a long time without any kind of organized activity. So uh, originally when when it was announced that the 22 teams would go to Orlando, uh, we felt like the other eight of us um, would probably be allowed to do some kind of a, an in-market training camp. Yeah, maybe a week long camp or something. And that is the most preferable scenario for us. Uh, and for, frankly, I think for most of the teams, but like everything else in the world, DA, um, there's just so many factors here. And so I, I respect, um, where the NBA is coming from, where the players association is coming from, um, where, you know, the guidelines are coming from, from, you know, which are different in every city, every state, uh, so this is really complex. And um, so we're just, you know, we're going to do whatever the league asks us to do. Mm-hmm. And if, if they, uh, if that means going to Chicago for a, a bubble, um, then we'll do it. Yeah. I, I got to imagine at the, at the very, I'm sorry, was it at the very least it's going to be younger guys. I would certainly imagine would be the core of your group. Right. And maybe some of the younger coaches, frankly, would might, might, might make that trip. We really haven't had a chance to to talk about it, but uh, I think those are uh, pretty good assumptions to make. You know, it would it would feel like a like a summer league, yeah, m- more than you know more than the Orlando. Obviously, in Orlando, those guys are playing for something, but if we go to Chicago, it's it's purely for development. There's nothing at stake. 
in terms of wins and losses. So uh, it would be more of more of kind of like a summer league approach, I would guess. And you mentioned not wanting to go nine months in between games. Could you explain to the listeners why exactly that is from your vantage point? Obviously, there's the rust factor, but w- what else about taking a nine month layoff scares you? Well, it goes uh, against the schedule that we've all been on, you know, basically our entire careers. You kind of have a routine and you have you have patterns to your off season. And if you throw all that out the window and everybody just kind of shows up after nine months of being on their own, uh, I think it's uh, borderline unhealthy. You know, I think you're you're at risk um, for for injury, but, but um, probably more importantly is, you know, if we can get past that factor, um, and I'm sure we would figure it out. But once you get past that, you have the basketball component, which is, you know, nine months is just a long time to go without uh, any practice time together. And and then to rush into the next season uh, without a lot of work uh, would be difficult. But Again, um, everything about the world is difficult these days. So if that's the way it goes, then then, uh, we'll adapt and and we'll adjust accordingly. Are you still anticipating or hoping that you're going to have some sort of OTA type of uh, camp, you know, in San Francisco and in the Bay Area with your veteran guys? Well, we'd like to, but but uh, that has to be approved by the league and uh, by the city of San Francisco. Um, and, and with all of the cases spiking around the country, um, right. you know, right now that's uh, sort of the furthest thing uh, from, from our minds. So we just have to, to wait and see. But ideally, that's what we would love to have is, <clears throat> you know, some, some time to, to get the group together. Now, there's nothing that, that would keep the team from getting together on their own. You know, right. and it, teams do that every summer. Um, you know, you've seen that with uh, with LeBron, you know, kind of bringing his teammates in from around the country and getting a head start on camp just, you know, without coaches, that kind of thing. So it's possible that, that teams will, will do something like that uh, on their own. Obviously, you want them to be careful and, and take whatever precautions they can. But I mean, <clears throat> basically, they're kind of on their own in terms of protocols and things like that like you know do they wipe the balls down do they you know is everybody wearing masks i mean they would kind of be on their own right yeah and that's the um you know that's the part that uh, is is scary and and uh, and that's why there's just still so many unknowns um you know we we would uh, you know absolutely be in touch with our players if you know if we if they told us they wanted to get together on their own uh, we would 100% put them in in uh, in touch with uh, the powers that be to make sure that uh, you know uh, the protocols are being followed and that health and safety comes first. And I'm, I'm sure everybody is around the league is is thinking the same way. It's just you know again this is uh, this is all happening in real time and things change day to day and we just have to adapt and and keep moving. Can you give us a clay update? It's been a little bit over a year since the torn ACL. Um, where is he at as far as his recovery? Um, what kind of spirits is he in? Um, you know, people are wondering what's up with what's up with Clay Thompson. Clay's doing great. Um, he's basically ready to go. It's been a little over a nice. year now since the injury. Uh, I saw him uh, about two weeks ago. I uh, 
went to uh, Orange County and where he lives and, and works out. And uh, so I uh, took basically took uh, a day and, and spent uh, spent some time with him and watched him work out. One of our assistant coaches uh, came down for the week to to train him and. And so we got together and uh, it was great to see him because, um, you know, he's, he loves the game so much. He loves to play yep. and he's missed it so much. And, and, uh, and he looked great. He, he was, you know, in, in really, really good shape and uh, draining shots from everywhere like the clay we know and love. And, and uh, so he's ready to go. It's just, you know, we don't know when when basketball will be played, but but Clay will be ready. Steve, you said Orange County. I hope he wasn't down there protesting barbershop openings, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, Clay's got that kind of receipt and hairline I'm, I'm, last I'm time saying, I checked. I'm just saying. He crispy fade. I, you know, I, he might have been. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> There's, uh, there, there's, uh, let's let's be honest. Southern California has not handled things very well over the last few weeks. Our our, uh, our cases down here have been have just skyrocketed. San Francisco has actually been pretty solid, and I've gone back and forth. Um, yeah. You know, my off season home is in San Diego, so I've kind of been back and forth uh, during the suspension. And uh, seems like San Franciscans are following the. Uh, the protocol a lot more carefully than the Southern Californians. That's for sure. Are you, Steve, do you, I, I, I find myself having to bite my tongue every time I go out, whether I go for a walk or something, or I go to the store because there's just so many people not wearing masks. And I'm like, there used to be this old line. I don't want to be in the paper tomorrow. Right. So, right, right. you know, but on the <laughs> other hand, I'd like to be alive tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, do you find yourself, having to control yourself and, and not go up to people and say, where's your damn mask? <laughs> you know? Yes. I, I, I have had that, uh, that feeling uh, several times. Um, you know, yes, I was on a plane yesterday and it was mm-hmm. like, come on, man, you're on a plane. You got, you know, there's there, literally everybody on the plane is wearing a mask except for one guy. Yeah. Wow. You know, come on, man, just, just put it on. Like, you know, everybody's read that, read the guidelines. We know the protocols. Right. Um, it's, and it's not about saving yourself. It's about, you know, it's about saving the, the people next to you. So put your mask on. Yeah. Seriously, I, Bogut, put it on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm just messing around. So fellas, are you prepared to unveil the summer bod? Some of the beaches at least are opening. The sun is out. It's hot. And the bushes must be tamed. And Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. I am not in a position to talk about this, Waz, but I suspect you are. So hit the people about it. Listen, I got the version three of the Manscaped. Um, obviously, I used the prior two versions and they were great, but this is just a refined form of, of the product. Again, you can use if you've never had any experience with this, as many men haven't um, had any experience with actually grooming um, that area of their body. Manscaped is, is so safe. You won't nick yourself, cut yourself and you will get a clean shave. Nice and smooth as a baby's bottom. And trust me, the results you will notice the results is being much better than anything you had done before. Um, and it will improve the quality of your life. I promise you that. So go out and get some Manscaped, y'all. Right. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. 
So get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC, one word, at manscaped.com. So do yourself a favor and use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, again, subscribers get not just one, but two free gifts the Shed Travel Bag, and the patented, high-performance, anti-chafing, Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. I wanted to ask you about um, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Steve, because, you know, you guys <laughs> you guys got D'Angelo Russell last summer, and everybody sort of, you know, kind of figured out what the play was going to be there. Uh, immediately, I know you guys had to put the nice face on it. Like, no, he's of course he's going to be here the duration of the contract, of course, and all of that. Um, but I think it's a little bit different with Andrew Wiggins in the sense that there's an idea out there that he's got a bad deal, um, that he hasn't lived up to his potential. Um, I'd love to know how you feel about Andrew Wiggins, who at one point was considered one of the rising stars of the NBA. What's his role on the Golden State Warriors going forward? Because, you know, a lot of people think you're not going to be able to trade him anyway. Well, I think it's important to put everything in context. I mean, when you go back to uh, the signing of D'Angelo, we had just lost uh, Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, uh, for all, all three of those guys for good and Clay Thompson for a year. So our entire wing core was wiped out. Uh, and so, um, you know, when, when we, when, uh, we decided to do the sign and trade with KD going to the nets, uh, the ability to pick up a talent like, uh, D uh, Lo w- would not have been available through any other means. It was, it was, uh, so it was definitely an asset play. And uh, D'Lo is one of the best shooters in the league and skilled. And he came in and, and uh, lit up the, the gym. Uh, and he had some nights that were just incredible. I think he made like six threes in the first five minutes of a game against Dallas. I mean, guys, uh, the guy's skill is, is undeniable. Um, for us, it's about putting together the group and, and the roster. And so what Andrew brings is great size and length at a position where we need it, you know, then you get clay back and now it's much easier to picture a defense forming a versatile switchable defense, which has been the name of the game for us over the years. So it it makes much more sense from a a roster standpoint, um, positional standpoint. And now uh, it's on us to put it all together and, and I think Andrew's going to be great. I think he'll fit in really well with Steph and clay and Draymond and, uh, we're really excited about um, our, uh, our our possibilities with the roster next year. I know you have uh, you know thought about Andrew at the four some, and I think you've got four of your five starters right for next year, pretty much in mind. Um, what do you think about that fifth guy right now? Who do you who do you think would be a good fit with those four specifically? Kevon Looney two years ago was our best center. He played about twenty five minutes a night, right. and unspectacular um, as a player um, in terms of the highlights and the numbers, but rock solid, incredibly smart and uh, really good defensively. So Mm -hmm. if we can uh, get a healthy loon back, um, 
And then you you throw Marquise Chris in there, who really came on and developed last year. Yeah. Uh, it's a kind of a change of pace five man, a lob a lob threat, a speed guy. Um, now you're talking about having, you know, a couple of guys who can fill that modern center role. You know, switch and and be versatile. Um, and then of course we always have the Draymond option, uh, Draymond at five, yeah. uh, which I think you were referring to. If we right. do go to Andrew at the four, um, and you know Eric Pascal. That's what, that's who I was thinking of. Would, yeah. Could he potentially play with that with that foursome? You think? Yeah, no, no doubt. And and uh, you know I I think the the thing these days is it's it's really hard to to play. Uh, groups that have more than one non-shooter and ideally if you can have all five guys um, as shooters now you know now you got the floor spaced and so hard to defend that and so a big part of our offseason is uh, is you know working with Eric on his three-point shooting he was uh, decent last year. I think he was about 33%, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, showed the ability to knock them down, but but can be more consistent. And then if we can get Draymond back to where he was, um, you know, with his three-point shooting, uh, you know, a few years ago, he was up at 38%. And um, and this, this past year dropped down below 30. So I think a big part of the offseason is really trying to uh, to get those guys – um, back in a consistent mode with their three-point shooting, and and that really uh, opens up a lot of possibilities um, offensively and and lineup combination-wise. Steve, I'd like to talk to you about you guys' approach, right? Because lat- this past season, obviously coming into it, no longer have Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, Clay Thompson's on the shelf because of injury. Drastically different team. Obviously, the expectations have to shift. And so, therefore, you guys probably have to shift your approach to the team, knowing coming in, like, we are no longer probably the greatest collection of basketball talent ever in the history of the sport, right? Like, it's a different outlook. But I think going into next season with a healthy Clay, Steph coming back healthy, you you still got Draymond um, and whatever pieces you guys put around that. Um, that's a different approach from this year, too. I just want to know what your mindset is now. Is it closer to, you know, 2014 or is it closer to this year? Uh, how are you guys approaching this next chapter that you take? Well, you're right. The, that last era uh, is over. I mean, you you can't you can't say realistically, okay, we're just going to pick up where we left off, you know, in 2019, because you know Kevin, Andre, and Sean are all gone. Um, I mean, that's those are you know you got uh, probably two Hall of Famers and uh, another guy who and Sean who was. Uh, heading that way before his devastating injury, but became one of the most valuable role players and one of the, the best leaders in the, in the league. So we have, we're going to have a very different team, but there's, um, there's no doubt we are going to be re- returning two all-stars to the lineup. And nobody's going to be able to say that out there um, around the league that uh, they're getting two uh, all-stars in their primes back this year. Um, so you, 
when you look at it that way and you look at last year and the development of guys like Pascal and Chris and Jordan Poole at the end of the season as he came along and the addition of Andrew Wiggins, um, well, you can see there's there's some real possibilities uh, that we could be good, and it's up to us to, to make that happen. As Steve, as Steph evolves um, through as his career continues and as your roster changes, what do you anticipate his next iteration will be as a player? We know the shooting piece, but what else is he going to need to have to you know want to add uh, for your team to be at its best? I don't know that Steph can add anything else to to his game. I mean, he's he's just got, pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so good. And, you know, my first year, fourteen, fifteen, uh, he made a leap. You know, after winning the MVP, he made another leap and was unanimous MVP the following season. And I think the the biggest thing that changed was um, just the approach to the three point shooting. You know, he, I want to say he took three or four more threes a game in 15, 16 than he did the previous season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so now he's at the point where he's, you know, he's been at the peak of his powers the last couple of years. Um, if anything, it's on us to try to begin to manage his minutes. We've mm-hmm. always been really blessed. We've been able to do that because of the, uh, the talent on our team. We've never really run Steph into the ground. Uh, we don't have as much depth as we once did, so it's on us as a coaching staff to make sure we we get him his rest every night and we're not uh, wearing him out. Steve, I wanted to shift the conversation to, you know, the stuff that's happening outside in our country, right? Um, and the role that NBA players have sort of taken upon themselves to take um, in the entire movement. You see guys um, basically becoming leaders in this regard just completely on their own and you know I gotta be honest a lot of times I'm looking at the the conversation online there's a lot of (laughs) there's a lot of eye rolling about what somebody like Steve Kerr might do or say like oh come on he's pandering he's this he's that but me personally, I think about your own history, right um our colleague Marcus Thompson did a story about your grandfather which I shared with my girlfriend who happens to be Armenian and she was deeply moved by that story. And of course we saw in the last dance, the story about your dad and what he was doing out in Lebanon. And I'm like, well, Steve Kerr comes from a lineage of people who went out and did meaningful things with their lives. So I'm very interested to know how you feel and where you stand when you watch what's going on within the league, the players and just in the country um, as a whole. Well, uh, first of all, I appreciate you doing your homework on my family. That's uh, that's flattering, and um, you know I've always been really proud of uh, my uh, my grandparents, my dad, my mom. Um, they've always been involved in uh, education and in projects that uh, really deal with um, humanity. And um, uh, so I, I've you know I've always been. Um, so into sports, into basketball, but I've always, um, you know, kind of had this background that my family gave me and it's been, I suppose, in my blood. And, and, um, now that those worlds are colliding, um, I do feel a responsibility to, to do my part and to try to help. And, um, you know, was as far as the eye rolling on 
social media. That's that's your fault for paying attention to the eye rolling. <laughs> I have You're to. Right. I, You're right. I, I can't avoid it's it. It's hard. It's like it's so hard not to. Steve. Yeah. A lot of times, Steve, there is genuine where you can just say somebody is paying lip service, and I think those people because they come off as so disingenuous, do a disservice to a lot of the work that's being done, right? But, you know, when somebody says something like that about Steve Kerr, I'm like, hold on now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like you can't you can't put that on Steve Kerr and it, you know, whatever. It gets me fired up, but that's why I bring it up because there's a, there's a cynical strain out there, specifically on the internet, um, that just, you know, that kind of just grinds my gears, you know, for me to use kind words, but like, that's why I brought it up, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and frankly, it's, I think it, the, the, um, the social media aspect of it is a big reason for, uh, one of many reasons for the divide that exists, you know, it's just in our country because it's, it's so easy to, just type words behind a computer or a phone um, and, and, and write things that you would never say to another human being. And so I agree with you. I'm, you know, I'm on Twitter quite a bit. That's where I, I get all my news. Basically. Um, I retweet a lot of articles. I occasionally comment on things and um, yeah, I mean, you know, you push that little mentions button. It's dangerous. You know? <laughs> yes. Even if you yes. get a compliment, it's like, you know, that's dangerous because yeah. it's going down this path of uh, sort of false fulfillment. And um, but it's but we're all human. We're all we're all so vulnerable to that. Um, so I, I think the whole key is uh, you have to speak with your heart. You have to uh, act uh, upon um, what you feel uh, strongly about. And that's what uh, that's what I try to do. And, and, you know, that's what the whole coaches association has been working on really these last couple of months, um, because we have gotten together and we, we've we've put together a committee on uh, social uh, justice and, and uh, racial inequity. We have Brian Stevenson on our board, which was a huge coup that Lloyd Lloyd uh, Pierce uh, put together uh, and each each coach each coaching staff is committed to partnering with the local grassroots organization in uh, the, the city of, of that franchise and the, committed to educating and working with people in the community um, in their cities so th- this is something that's really meaningful to all of us all 30 coaches and um, these calls, these uh, these gatherings have been really emotional and educational, and it does feel like this is a tipping point, both societally and uh, and within the league. And so, as long as you can speak your truth and really feel it, then uh, I think you just can't worry too much about what people are saying. was a pretty good part one i think was right yes sir i think this is show 41 for us was and um 
Are we we're not gonna do much better than that, are we? <laughs> no, of course. And and you know the funny thing, Dave, about talking to Steve is that he is legitimately, truly one of the good ones. Yes, he is. No, he is. <laughs> you know, he is. He really, really is the nicest, most genuine yeah. dude. It's yeah. it's incredible. I, that was that was awesome. I I'm, I tell people this all the time. You know, I had the pleasure of working with Steve for you know many years. I don't know six or seven years at Turner when we were both at Turner, and you know, he was. I mean, I enjoy working with all the analysts because they're all very knowledgeable. They're very smart. They know the game. You know, they're, I learn a lot. You know, working with them. But and I'm not. And this is no way being critical of anybody else. But he was the one guy I was that would call you and say, hey, what are you doing? You want to go to get something to eat the night before? Mm. You know, like, let's go get some mm. dinner. You know, like, wow. not that the other guys wouldn't go. If everybody was going, they would go. Right, and, but Steve, but reaching would, out part, he's the only guy that offered. That. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, like, yes, he's the only guy that, that yep. would reach out and say, hey, let's go get something to eat. You know, like, let's go grab, let's go grab some Italian. He loves Italian. You know, and so he was just a genuinely down to earth guy who never took himself seriously at all. You know, and, um, and I think, you know, yes, he's had a great team to coach in Golden State, but I tell people all this time, it's just as hard coaching great teams as it is bad teams because great teams are great. You know what I mean? Right. The expectation yep. is so high. The expectation high. is so, it's so, man, remember David Black got fired at yes. 30 and 10 or exactly. something? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You could be great and still get your ass canned. That's exactly right. 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 You know, and so that's the, that's part of the problem is that the egos are so big. That you have to you have to really ride this wave where you have to be you know constantly in, trying to be in touch with the superstars on your team and are they happy are they not happy can I help them if they're not unhappy should I back off should I kick them in the butt you know all those things and Steve because he's such a genuinely good person I think people resonate to him and they don't they don't feel like he's coaching them, you know, I mean, he is, but they, but they don't feel like it. There's not that heavy handedness that there is with other coaches sometimes. So I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm happy to count him as a friend and um, have for a while. And I'm just glad he was able to come on today. Um, and I'm glad we were able to talk to him. Same here. So um, I'm cool with that, but there is more. Uh, we will have part two of our interview with Steve Kerr next week on our next edition of Hoops Adjacent, our first two-parter. I'm very excited about this, and I hope you will be too as you tune in. Thank all of you for listening, as always. And um, please, as always, leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to our podcast. Five stars are appreciated. Um, I, we, I'm not sure, and we'll edit this out if it's not the case. I think we may still be on that 30-day free trial if you go to theathletic.com. And... Um, if you haven't subscribed, check us out. Check all the podcasts out as we uh, unveil our new Athletic NBA show, which is some of the best podcasts you're ever going to listen to uh, with some of the best people uh, around talking about the NBA and talking about everything that's going on. Appreciate your time as always. See you.